Hello again. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Teacology. I'm Brian White, co-founder and CEO of Yopon Brothers American Tea Company, and Teacology is a podcast provided by Yopon Brothers. Today we're going to do things a little different, and we're going to talk to my brother and co-founder of Yopon Brothers, Kyle White. And I usually forget our origin story and the way that it happened um, was so unusual, and there's so many elements involved that I wanted to rope Kyle in and kind of pick his brain and see what he remembers. So it's a very interesting conversation. We talk a lot about how really the core values of our business haven't changed that much over almost a decade now. And um, we're, we're continuing to push in a direction that we're very passionate about, which is toward more sustainable, you know, consumer friendly businesses um, that are very transparent and honest with the way that we do business. Um, so I hope that you enjoy the conversation and um, thanks for listening. Here's Kyle. Kyle, how are you today? Yes, I'm doing good. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. I think uh, we're all kind of growing, you know. I, I was going to drag you into this just to have a conversation about um, about Yopon Brothers and how we got started. And I thought maybe we'd, we'd talk about, you know, how I kind of dragged you into it. At the Ooh, very, like an origin story. Yeah, at the very beginning, you know, uh, when okay. you were like just a wee lad. Um, and for, for those people that are listening, there's a significant age difference between us. I'm seven years older. And at that time in our lives, that was pretty significant, right? Because you were still yeah. a kid and I was kind of like a young adult. And yeah, I, I think when, when we first started the, uh, the very first Yopon company, I guess, I was still actually in high school. I, I, wasn't, I hadn't graduated yet. So I was, a, I was a baby baby at that point. Yeah, you were in high school, and I know like Mark, Mark, our um, also a co-founder, and he's on our YouTube a lot. He's in, we should do a podcast with Mark, but we'll, we'll get to it. Okay, fine. But he likes to tell the story of how yeah. um, he was your mentor in high school, and mm-hmm. uh, you were telling him how you were like harvest, you know, picking leaves in the woods with your with your big brother, and he thought that we were like mm-hmm. getting drugs or something. Um, so that's kind of funny. Unfortunately but- not. I actually don't know. I've, I've never asked you, um, like how uh-huh. I, I don't really quite remember like when you first got drug into it. I mean, it was really early. Um, yeah. Um, so for my, I remember it was actually, it came down to, um, I know we had, you had met with a particular business partner at the time. Um, and we had looked at, um, or you, and you were just kind of talking about it. You had made them kind of, I think you had made a Kickstarter or something at that point. And, um, you had asked, we had started making, if you remember, we had the individual like hand sealed tea bags that we were just sealing with like curling irons. And, um, I was giving those out. You had recruited me to give those out at the high school with a business card in it. But, um, what we didn't think through was these were like in dime bags. And they thought we were like giving out illicit substances. And then um, we, I kind of liked it though. And people had a good reaction. So I think we just kind of got sucked into it that way. And that's kind of also when Mark uh, first heard about it. Because I was just handing out little, <laughs> little packages of tea at the high school. Um, yeah, so I think that's, that's kind of where it started. And then um, we just kind of, you know, started trucking along at, you know, I think we, we had kind of jumped in feet first at that point. Um, we were picking was, leaves. We were picking yeah, leaves. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I remember had, that specifically because it's such a 
drag, you know, like it's such yeah. a suck fest. I mean, I'm trying to get more intentional and like um, really enjoy all the parts of the process because they're all, you know, import critically important, but man, mm -hmm. that's a slog picking those leaves is a slog. So I definitely remember well, us doing that. Yeah. I mean, I, that was, I mean, for a while that was kind of my, you know, for people who don't know, um, I guess on this podcast, we had, we were working in the, on the beach patrol at the time. So we were both lifeguards and my position was seasonal. So I had, um, you know, once the summer had kind of worked through, I had to find other ways to make money. And so I was actually harvesting leaves to get paid for a little bit. Um, and if we had, like, I had a couple friends and we remember we had jets going out there. Um, we had, we had a little crew of, uh, New Smyrna beach rats going out there kind of picking tea at one point. Um, and then, yeah, that, that, that's kind of, that's, that's probably more when I started getting a little more like heavily involved. Um, I think it was probably that fall. I think once the beach kind of died down, I mean, it's been, geez, this was eight years ago now. So it's been a while. We've been doing this for way too long. Um, yeah. Almost yeah, 10 years. Yeah. It's been eight. <laughs> we'll be fine. We'll be rich by next year. Um, yeah. So that's kind of where, you know, we, we, I think we kind of, I'm trying to think we went from there. I remember that there, I always have like a milestones in my head, right? We had, I, I don't remember exactly like time frames. I remember like we did, we were harvesting leaves a lot and we were kind of just peddling it to like other lifeguards and people who would buy it. Um, and then I remember we made the first sale to Love, like Whole Food, their Love's Whole Food. And uh, I believe actually the Ormond store was the first one to carry us. And um, I remember us, like that was such a huge deal for us. It, it was like, like nowadays, it it was the, I mean, obviously we love any kind of orders, but nowadays it would be like just a regular run-of-the-mill order, and that was like such a milestone for both of us. I remember we were like, and we were doing everything by hand. We had to fill the tea bags by hand. We had to, I mean, literally we had single tea bags that yeah. we would take a teaspoon yeah. and put the tea in there, and then clamp it. Okay, a, so hold on. So people yeah. don't people like have no fucking idea what we're talking about. So hold, let me. Um, oh yeah, true. So this yeah. is what I'm going to say. For this I'm going to put this into context so everybody knows what Carl's yeah. talking about. So we used to, now we have tea bag machines here in the mm -hmm. shop. Thank the universe the Lord. or whatever, or whoever for that. I mean, but at the very beginning, we didn't have any of that stuff. We had to, we decided, I think really early in the beginning to focus mostly on sachets, tea bags. Yeah. We didn't have the machine. So we were literally buying tea bags that were already pre-formed and putting the tea in each one by hand and sealing them by hand and each unit each canister had 16 tea bags so you had to yeah. fill and seal 16 tea bags for each canister that that you did so one of our first clients or customers uh, still a customer of ours all these years later is love whole foods which they have it's a small independent um kind of like a health food store. There's two locations here in Volusia County, Florida. Yeah. And they were one of our first customers. And so they would order like, I don't know what, like 24 units or something. And we'd be like, yes. And, yeah, then, you, think. and then you'd sit down and make them and be like, oh man, this is a lot of filling and sealing yeah. tea bags. And uh, my mom used to take them home well, and like sit in front of the TV and fill the filled the tea bags and everybody was doing little stuff like that, you know, to get to make it work, yeah. which we still do stuff like that to make it work, but just on a, you know, a hundred times more massive yeah. scale. Um, yeah. But it's so funny because I, I do forget, like when we talk about humble beginnings, 
Yeah. <laughs> Dude, there's like there's humble beginnings and then there's humble beginnings. Yeah, that I mean I remember I there was always like crazy little with the so for I think for those who don't know, um I guess we can kinda of back it up a little bit. Yopon Brothers was actually a I guess we could explain it as it was a different company technically. Um at this point, you know, this juncture, like yeah, twenty twelve. It was Yopon O C T. Yeah. And that outfit was a um it was I mean it was an incredible learning experience for sure. Um, you know, we, it, cause at that point there was no Yopon companies. There was no one had done anything remotely similar to this. And we were just kind of like figuring it out. And we had made every mistake hilarious and scary along the way. And the guy remember, you know, for, so at the, and we only had two blends. We had a green and we had a fire roaster and that was yeah, it. Yeah. And um, we, and I remember, like, we'd be out in the parking lot with this big, like, cauldron, like, roasting tea, and people just thought we were doing all sorts of crazy. They stuff, thought you were, you like, know? making making meth or something. Out yeah, there. And that that was literally what the neighbor thought. We, were, we had that um, the one lady who thought that we were, like, doing things that were terrible. And we were just, I'm like, I'm literally just making tea. I'm like, I'm like 18 years old. Leave me alone. <laughs> was, um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, and, you know, that, yeah. And, yeah. And so I think that. Um, they were kind of stumbling into a conversation here, but you know, at that point it was, I think that kind of mentality of, we just kind of jumped in and figured it out. It's kind of as, as insane as it like, as that sounds. And like, you know, you you know, in business, you always want to plan things out and be super strategic, but kind of the driving force has always been, we're just kind of jump in and figure out how to do this. And I guess we'll see how it works. And that, yeah, I mean, I think we, we do that a lot less today, but we still do it in some ways so um, like i think most people that listen to this know about yopon like they know what it is at this point um but for just a quick recap i mean i was a plant nerd person still am yeah and so i was looking at this leaf that was just growing in the wild and knowing all of a sudden that number one it was the only ca- it's the only caffeinated plant species in the u.s that grows indigenously and then number two learning about the crazy like thousands of years of indigenous history, you know, consumption around it. It just felt like, oh man, we have to do something with this. It has to happen. But kind of in hindsight now, I think a lot of the reasons why we survived, maybe even why we still do, is because we've always been like kind of too dumb to quit. <laughs> like this, this stuff has been so difficult to figure out mainly, well, not mainly, but one huge reason is because there was no supply chain, you know, we had to build everything from the ground up. Right. And, um, and it, this still makes it really difficult. And then this, another thing is that nobody know, knows or knew what Yopon is. It's a lot better today than it was several years ago. Yeah. Uh, still definitely like a huge awareness deficit. We talk about it all the time. Part of the reason why we have a podcast so we can like blah, blah, blah about Yopon more yeah. and you listen to it and we just more and more people uh, learn about it. But at the time, like Kyle's a kid, friggin' child, and yeah. I'm not much older. I mean, I'm I'm a young adult, but I, I have an education, but not an education in business, not an education in food or CPG or any of this stuff. I'm not an entrepreneur. I don't know anything about anything that is relevant to this idea. And I in the hindsight, I think that was a good thing, right? Like, I mean, oh yeah. If we had if we had a formal business education or a lot of experience we never would have done this shit i mean we never would have done absolutely it. not no i mean I, I, that's I, that, that's always my joke like because now you know i do a lot of work with like the ucf entrepreneurship center and all that and 
I, I always, you know, when we talk to kids and talk to people, I always say, you know, you kind of have to separate theoretical from what's going on around you because there's like with a tea company, it ended up being successful. But if I would have had, if I would have just followed every theoretical business idea, we would have never done this. I mean, not a chance in hell, you know, it, no. it doesn't, it doesn't add up. And I mean, and I think that we, you know, we're in a lot of, a lot of uh, fortunate things had to happen for us to make this happen. I mean, it was, it's not luck, but things, I mean, a lot of times, I guess you could say that, um, you know, things sometimes fell in our favor and that was kind of, I think our saving grace, but we, we've had a lot of, we've had a lot of uh, really good breaks. I think that have made this company, you know, keep going forward. Um, but it, it is completely, it is something completely still, I mean, we've been around for eight years, but the idea is still completely new. And I mean, and now it's becoming more legitimized. I think the market is now allowing, you, know, you start seeing more products that aren't Yopon, but are similar to Yopon um, in, in all sorts of spaces, you know, like whether it's, you know, acai or whether, I mean, at this point, now I'm thinking about it, like in 2012, acai wasn't really a thing. I mean, there was, yerba mate was barely a thing. Um, you know, it, it, it's been so, it, everything has changed. When you really think about it now, everything has changed so much in terms of like market. And yeah, that's probably the biggest thing that fell in our favor, that we just ended up, the trends just fell in our favor, you know? And, there's, there's so much weird stuff that happened. And yeah. uh, a lot of it is, hard to talk about because I, I don't know i just feel like this has been such a experience yeah. that i lose track of a lot of things because there's so many moving parts especially now yeah. um but like what you're talking about is that kind of differentiator that our product has become and i think like it was the right time you know because of all those other weird products that were coming out that actually are fantastic. Yeah. You know, like people started drinking kombucha and people started uh, buying guayusa and yerba mate and acai, like you mentioned. Yeah. And those things were just really emergent new products that weren't new in their land of origin, uh, mm -hmm. but they were new to U.S. consumers and, and global consumers largely. And so people liked it, you know, people like exploring new products. And even to expound upon that, I think people now they like local products. They want to yeah. talk about and consume things that are from close by to where they are. And that was a really big break for us. You know, that kind of shift, that consumer shift that is, I think is still happening. And I think it's going to continue to happen. Right. Yeah. But I, I want to ask you about something because um, I, I would like to have like some other Yopon people on here that started yeah. around the same time. And I haven't done that yet. And I want to, because I want to ask them this question and um, I don't know if this happened for you. Like it happened for me because I kind of had the idea first and then dragged you into yeah. it. So I don't know if you like had the same um, feeling, uh, but I, I like usually I was talking to Shelly about it and I described it as this sort of mystical thing that happened around the same time, like me and two or three other people started yeah working with Yopon at the same time and it had like never happened before really. And then all of a sudden there's like, boom, 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 you know, a couple entrepreneurs yeah. who, you know, right around the same time period, I think we had the first viable product out on the market, but there were a couple others, yeah. you know, right behind us. And um, I felt like this total overwhelming obligation 
to do something with Yopan. You know, like it had yeah, this yeah. Uh, super unfair thing that happened to it, you know, where everybody forgot about it. Indigenous people drank it every day for thousands of years and nobody even knew about it anymore. It was like such an injustice, right? And yeah, I, yeah. I've talked to other Yopan producers and they feel the same way, but I don't know if it was like this overarching um, ethos that I think has really encapsulated our brand is yeah. I think the fact that the reason, one of the big reasons why we have such loyal customers and we have thousands and thousands of them at this point is because we've never been good at not telling the truth. You know, we've never been good at um, hiding what we do. We never wanted to do that. And so I think that people, they look at Yopan in general and Yopan brothers more specifically, and they think, you know, this is a real thing and this is going to help the world and it's going to make life better for people. And, I believe that, you know, so, Hey, yeah. Is that illegal in business these days to like not be totally full of crap? Um, I think it might be, Um, you know, but it's the craziest part about that. I think that in terms of like when, you know, these companies kind of came together, it wasn't like they were close. It wasn't like we were all in the same area. It wasn't like we were, you know, on the same, like it was like Austin, I think Savannah and then, you know central florida it was like there was no real proximity there was like it it was it was really weird how you know it kind of came together at once you know there's you know there's like boom there's geopon people now and and it it was and it was and it's such an obscure product it wasn't like we knew who each other you know it's not like we even had any idea of each other for um for a long time and that was always the crazy thing to me but i think for the kind of building your point with the with yopon i think when you look at it from you know, like 10,000 feet, it's just insane. The fact that like nothing was ever done with it. I mean, that was always blew my mind. Like, you know, we, caffeine is the most consumed, you know, I guess drug quote unquote on earth. And, you know, we import all of it. And the whole time it has been, you know, growing in, at least in Florida and Texas and, you know, in parts of Southern Georgia, it's been growing in our backyard the entire time. But we've been, we have this whole industry built around importing it in. And to me, that was always like, what are we doing? That, that just seems so insane to me. I couldn't make it work in my head as to why Yopon was not a thing. Um, and I think that it, you know, it, it is becoming a thing, but it's just, you know, and kind of what you said, it, something unfair really happened to it. And it, I, I think it, it, you know, that unfair thing caused a lot of damage to not just Yopon, but I mean, to a beverage industry in general. Like, I mean, imagine, you know, if, if Yopon had become a thing a hundred years ago, like where we could be. Well, it makes you wonder, you know, like what other yeah. stuff, like what other products have been stymied in the same way? Because yeah. I, th- I really think the, the deck is stacked against mm-hmm. Yopon, but lots of other products, you know? And that's because, yeah. I mean, the more we, we grow and the more we get involved in business and entrepreneurship, the more you see that there is definitely like a formulaic equation for every business every industry out there and if you don't fit the equation you know you can't make it fit then it just doesn't go it doesn't go anywhere you know it's like everything is designed to be so ruthlessly efficient um, Mm -hmm. that there's not a lot of room like in this space for for true innovation like true disruption because it takes too much money and effort and moving parts to like make it happen so i think i think it's people get discouraged you know 
and that is the hard part about Yopon right now. And to be candid, it, it really isn't ruthlessly efficient right now. Um, just because of the way, you know, the nature of the industry, it's, um, you know, it's still growing. It's still emergent. And um, there's, so it, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't fit that mold. And like you're, like you're never going to see Yopon on the shelf competing with, uh, you know, 48 yellow with the tea bags. It's just not going to happen. Um, you know, they, it's, it's a different, it's a different world, but luckily I think things are, like I said, kind of falling into our favor. Like, you know, we have, you know, now that you have these like beer companies coming to us, like, oh, we want Yopon. That's the most insane thing to me. I think that when you have these, you have these like larger people that we would never have dreamed even, you know, even of them sniffing us, you know, there was, we would never have thought that would have happened. Just kind of interested in Yopon. And to me, that's really gratifying because, you know, you and I know where it started, <laughs> you know, and like, you know, and, and what it took to get it to where it is. I mean, we, yeah. you know, at one point we were driving it to South Carolina every two weeks. Oh, man, don't remind me of that. that <laughs> the, yeah, okay, so let's explain that real quick. So when we first started Yopon Brothers, all right, so we had our previous venture, which was Yopon OCT. We had that for like a couple of years, and um, that was a, a very good learning experience. I mean, we kind of like – cut our teeth with that brand and we learned how to work with Yopon and like build the supply chain uh, and actually make it into a saleable product, which was the most important thing to learn. Right. But it didn't work out for like a lot of other, a lot of reasons. We won't get into that because they're stupid. Yeah. But anyway, (laughs) um, luckily we had our, our current partner and co-founder Mark Steele, Mm -hmm. who was kind of like waiting in the wings, you know, he was like kind of like licking his chops at this opportunity. get involved and he had his relationship with you and um and it was kind of the right time for him to jump in and and you know kind of get us off the ground provide us with some funding um but it was you know it was enough to get started but it wasn't enough to like buy a bunch of equipment and stuff like that so we actually which stars aligned right there's no tea factories in the united states uh, hardly any at all especially for processing raw leaves and we found like the only one that was around and it was a uh, Steve Lorch from Table Rock Tea, which is still, mm-hmm. still around today. Uh, yeah. Another, another wonderful uh, group of people like us that are maybe too dumb to quit, but uh, they, they are actually making a tea farm, like building out a tea yeah. farm in the U S which is totally uh, almost unheard of. You know I mean? There's, yeah. there's Bigelow down in Charleston. This is in upstate South Carolina. But, you know, they had all this tea equipment that they had there and their plants were not quite ready to process. And they had several thousand uh, tea plants. I don't know how many. Um, and they have this beautiful. It was impressive. Yeah, this beautiful farm overlooking, yeah. you know, right at, at the Piedmont where the Piedmont becomes the, the Blue Ridge Mountains, I think. I mean, there's a yeah. Table Rock Mountain is right there. It's a gorgeous place. And we, we were lucky enough to get involved with them and they needed to learn how to process raw leaves they didn't have enough to work with on their own at the time. They do now. Um, and we needed equipment to process our leaves. So we would actually harvest, yeah. Kyle and I and my mom, my mom and your mom uh, yeah. and some other people sometimes would harvest yeah, leaves and we would drive them up six and a half hours yeah. um, to Table Rock, South Carolina, Table Rock Tea. They would harvest or uh, process the leaves for us into raw or into the finished product, into the canisters. And then well, we, let me let ahead. me kind of build on that. You know, we have to 
I like to really break that down. So yopon leaves aren't stable when they're wet. You know, they they can they can degrade very quickly. Um, you know, within I would say what twelve hours probably you start to lose them. Yeah, especially and, when it's hot. Yeah, yeah, and so we would have to get up at you know four. Super early in the morning. We we would harvest into you know for a few hours, get as much as we can to make it worth the drive, and then we would jump in the car and drive to South Carolina. We get to South Carolina around midnight, um, lay the tea out, you know. Um, Steve or Steve had a factory within his, you know, on his property. We would go back to his house, sleep to like, you know, five or six in the morning, and then process, and then put it on cans and turn around and take it back the next day. Um, insane. Like that is just the most. Like now, it's the most insane. Like, but it had, we had to do it. You know, there was no. Um, it was the only way. I think we did that yeah, for like maybe. We didn't do it that long. Like maybe four months or something. Oh no, we did. We did longer than that because it was. No. But we the frequency. So we would do it. And we would do it at like so when we first started, we would stay up in South Carolina for a while. Like we would like we would get a lot of tea done and we would you know, then we kinda of come back. I remember the first time I think we took a trailer. Um and then then as we kinda of grew the business, we had we started doing this probably every two to three weeks. It became like a very frequent thing. Mm-hmm. Um and that's when and we actually got kind of fortunate to where and correct me wrong, Steve had a um he had a crop issue and he was going to focus on the crops a little more and he was able to sell us. This is another, this is actually another crazy, like serendipitous moment. We had won a business plan competition at UCF. We had mm-hmm. got some um, kind of all, all over the place here. We had won a business plan competition at UCF and then um, we had gotten a little bit, it wasn't, you know, it was a, it was a good amount of money, but not, you know, not like a ton. It was like 12,000 bucks. Yeah. It was like 12, yeah, it was like 12 grand. And um, then we had, Steve was looking to offload his equipment that we were already using. And I remember the competition went down. He was like, uh, he had heard that we won the competition. The conversation kind of went down. Like, Steve, how much would you sell the equipment for? And he was like, well, I heard you just won $12,000. So I'll sell it for $12,000. It's like kind of what happened. And um, we were able to, I mean, we were able, because of the win the UCF thing, and then Steve kind of refocusing his business. At the, I mean, it was literally the same time. It was like in the, in the same week. You know, and we ended up, uh, you know, essentially getting, I don't want to say getting equipment for free, but we, we pretty much got our factory for free, <laughs> you know, I mean, because it wasn't any money that we actually, uh, that we were, that we had earned, it was money we had won. And, um, and so it was like, this company has been, you know, has been event after event like that to where it has made it possible, um, you know, call it destiny or whatever, but it seems to be uh you know, we, we keep getting lucky, <laughs> you know, I don't, but it's, um, it's, it's, and I, I actually miss being up there, honestly. I, I like, cause that spot was so beautiful. Like I, you know, I was, I was in, I was a junior in college at the time. Um, you know, when I was actually like a college basketball. And, um, so I remember like, I, I would love going up there. I would take a few days, you know, I, I remember I would, I would take it, I would take it slower coming back because the tea was dry and kind of stable. So I would, um, you know, I might, you know, I might spend the night in Savannah or spend the night in, um, you know, uh, Charleston or something. And that was always like, I love doing that. So I, was, I was able to kind of see the Carolinas and Georgia a lot. And that's why I love, so I do miss that, but I don't miss driving 16 hours in two days. Well, I mean, <laughs> so, look, it just, it was a pain in the ass, but it wouldn't have yeah. been, we wouldn't have been able to do anything that we do. No. We wouldn't have been able to get started without that, you know, cause we couldn't afford a yeah. co-packing run. Uh, we didn't have enough supply 
for a minute for the minimums that are required for a co-packing run and I mean, people are probably listening to this going, what the hell are they talking about? But, you know, we couldn't have, usually these types of uh, products are made by other outfits. You know, they're co-packed by a third party. You send your tea yeah. to them or you, they make, or they get it for you and they actually package it and do everything, but they won't touch it for like less than, you know, $50,000 or maybe less. Yeah. I don't know, but it's a huge number and it's a huge amount of product. And we didn't have a way to do that. And I think that we had a partner in Mark, our, who is still around, still here, um, that he really wanted us to figure it out on our own. You know, I don't, he never came out and said yeah. that, but that's how I felt about it at the time. And um, I think it was good, you know, that we were able to learn how to be really nimble and resourceful. And yeah. that's been something that served us very well the entire time we've had this business and even today, you know, we're yeah. tinned to gravitate toward um being you know kind of scrappy and yeah we're super i mean that's any you know it's you know i guess to say yeah, i agree with you 100 percent. it kind of made us a lot stronger in terms of like nobody like any account that we get and we have to really fight for it um it's, it's easier now than it used to be but you know like back in the day it was like i remember going into like stores they're like okay you're selling me weeds <laughs> you know like what do you so and like you couldn't i, I know like you couldn't get them to see it and you know now i mean, now it's a lot easier people at least are familiar with um with you know that to me what the craziest thing is is like when you go to i think i already kind of said this but i'll say it again whatever um you know when you like when you talk to somebody's like national grocery chains or um you know, and like a buyer will come to you and they're like oh yeah i know what you want is and you're like what like how like you like you're, and i'm still so used to like having this pre-canned speech of introducing Yopon to people in my head that I've used for eight years and I always want to jump into it and now sometimes like, last year at Fancy Food I got stopped like, mid my speech a bunch of times and they were like we know what Yopon is like move on you know and like, that to me was like that was the most insane thing I think as like not having to do that speech every time now because I used it for every single account we used to have to claw for it and just I mean I think that I was a good salesman back then only because I was a child and people felt bad for me <laughs> Yeah, and, but that's, um, not, that's not it yeah. though you know it's like no, back then no, i'm saying now is back then that's how i felt but um you know it but we but the product always did well you know like, people like with the old company it's it's insane you know we keep going back to it but what we were you would get a you would get 15 tea bags and a in a uh in a metal tin for i think they 12.95 12 dollars $12. I, I think it was 12 dollars yeah. So it was expensive. It was, it was expensive. Yeah. And we had these really expensive metal tins and then we had the honey yeah. that we had too. So we, we made honey at the time and it was really yeah. good stuff. It was palmetto honey and it was from Holopaw, like from central Florida. Yeah. And it was super delicious, but we put it in these mooth jars and dipped them in beeswax. And they came from our friend, Doug McGinnis, who we also need to have on a podcast because he'd be really yeah, we do. the bee man, really fun to talk to about bees and honey. He, he's uh, knows more than anyone I think about that but um <laughs> so we sold one with the tea bat with tea and a honey in it it was like $24 or something so it was really expensive but you know we did sell them like we we took do you remember when we went to fan, the fancy food show up in New York uh -huh. and we rented a tiny little piece of Doug McGinnis's booth this it was a friend <laughs> like of a ours band. a friend of ours who had a honey company tropical blossom honey which mm -hmm. he's now sold uh, it's no longer real. Yeah. 
He was a longtime member of the Specialty Food Association, which we're now members of. We have our own yeah. our own booth and everything. Oh my god! We do too. Uh, Not but, this year, but it's okay. But uh, we rented a tiny little space of Doug's booth, and we brought the, all that stuff with us to New York. And it was like you know, total overwhelming sensory overload yeah. experience. And um, we sold a bunch of those units to. We, uh, we sold a bunch of them for Rosh Hashanah. You know, it's like a honey yeah. big honey holiday. And remember, we we sprung for the kosher inspection, yeah. and the rabbi came and checked out our place, and um, and yeah. So I mean, it still worked out. You know, today I think we're. Yeah. So, a much different company, you know, yeah. than we were back then. You know, our cool. products are more on the line of like eight fifty now, and not twelve ninety nine or twelve dollars. Yeah. And and then we don't have the super expensive um, stuff. I've I feel like we're kind of like a tea for the masses now, um, which yeah. I personally love. You know, like I, I don't, a product doesn't look like that. It looks beautiful and it tastes beautiful, but it, I it's more affordable, which is something that I've always wanted to get towards yeah well and not even that you know we the art the yopon brothers now and i think it's because we just kind of grew up it's so much more focused and as you know as opposed to yopon Oxy was like we um like yopon Oxy we i'm super proud of that company like we did some really for who we were and the lack of experience we had we did we mean we we you know kind of we did well in that company um you know for where we were at and i mean but we like for example i remember like when we did the uh, TJ Maxx Marshall thing with the honey. <laughs> and, oh yeah, uh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, yeah. so we. I mean, at one point, I think Doug had told me. So, and to kind of give it back, this was twenty. I think it was twenty fourteen. Um, I think. Yeah, I think I just. I no, it was twenty thirteen. I turned twenty. It was my twentieth birthday. Remember, we were because we screwed up the label, <laughs> and um, and but we. So at one point, so soft palmetto had a really Tupelo and soft palmetto. I think both had bad years in terms of um honey production and we have we were sitting on a decent amount we bought it in bulk we were sitting on a decent amount from the year before and it wasn't a lot i mean it was it was a small amount compared to like how honey is as a whole but i remember doug telling me at one point we were like just because it was so bad that our little tea company was like the biggest we had like the biggest supply of salt palmetto in the state and it wasn't much we had like a hundred gallons or something and uh, it was just really funny to say that, like we were this little tea company, and now we like now we're just dealing soft palmetto honey. And we we had gone nationwide with um, yeah with TJ, with Marmax 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 yeah, uh, which is and, Marshalls uh, and TJ Maxx, and, yeah, uh, and and I think it's called I think the company changed. It's called TJX now. Yeah, uh, TJX Home Goods now, and um, yeah, and they're yeah, and so that that was really weird. And like in, you know, in that company, we were I mean we kind of became like a really successful honey company on accident. <laughs> like, I know it was so we, stupid because yeah. we went to fancy food trying to sell our tea, you know, like we yeah. were like, we're Yopan Aussie tea, like come buy our Yopan. It's amazing. It's going to change your life. And they were like, yeah, we only want the honey. Uh, and they're like, oh, how about the honey? And I was like, ah, so we sold like, I think it was maybe, I don't know, seven or eight pallets of honey uh yeah we had to label and fill uh we didn't have to fill the bottles we had to label them uh by hand and each one had Mm -hmm. two labels which was a horrible idea Um, but it's one of those things now like we would never be caught dead doing you know because learned like how to push the value and what what our mainline product is and i i look today and see how much Yopan we sell. I just think it's totally un- incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. You know, it's unbelievable how it's 
evolved, you know, and how our customers have just stuck around. And I think that it's when we tell them, hey, this is why we're doing this, you know, it can really change the game for agriculture, especially in Florida, but elsewhere too. And it's a product that you, we can all enjoy and, and make more of it, make tons of it, but not harm the environment. I mean, you can't say that about a lot of agricultural products. And, no. uh, and then you bring in the indigenous history and how, you know, we've told that story in a way that, you know, we're as respectful as possible. Um, and I think people just are into it, man. They just, they like to yeah. see um, ingenuity and honesty and integrity in business and they like to see us doing the things that we always said we would do yeah and that was like not not really an evolution because i feel like we were always doing that from the very beginning which unfortunately had a lot to do with why we had a hard time succeeding for so long you know we wouldn't we wouldn't um change to fit the model you know that we were kind of being trying to be pigeonholed into and yeah. I, I feel like a lot of founders are put in that position, you know, where, oh, well, if only, if only you would oh. do it this way, if only you would do it that way. And I mean, sometimes they're right, right? Like about practical stuff. Yeah. But I feel like when you found a company, man, you know what your mission is. And I'm going to yeah. blab a little bit longer and then you can have it. But we, we talked to Adina on this program uh, a couple episodes ago, and she was talking about in her company, SW Basics, uh, very popular beauty products, how consumers customers are trained by these huge corporate interests these huge conglomerates to look only for value only for price Mm -hmm. value the lowest price wins you know and and because they have an easier time filling that niche because they fill their products with you know cheap crap like lots of filler material lots of inner filler material and they um and they have efficient, very efficient, um, scalable platforms to where they can do that like a million, jillion times, you know? Yeah. So they can afford to come in at a super low price and then nobody can compete with it. And that yeah. T well, is no, no different, right? It's no different. I mean, everything's yeah. like that. Everything is like that, I think. Like pretty much yeah. all categories, not just in food, but in any CPG product at least, and probably lots of other products too. It's like, it's, you're not always getting what you pay for and a lot of the products are not well made and uh a yeah. lot of them are dishonest you know so well, and that kind of it's in to build on that point that's kind of like you know in working with some of these bigger accounts um you know you you start seeing terms like edlp right which is like they, it's everyday low price is what it stands for um and you know to talk about how this gets trained is that that's like how powerful like an entity a walmart is in terms of they had they had started that edlp thing what that means is like if you sell a product here, it has to be the absolute rock bottom price and it can't be lower anywhere else, you know, on your website, or anything Like you, you have to guarantee us the lowest price. And that was something Walmart started. And now because customers are trained to that incredibly low price. Um, now you see a lot of retailers will, will, will crush, will crush EDLP. You don't give it to them, but they, they will try to, they will try to get it. And um, you know, so you, you it, that, that kind of, people being trained in terms of, you know, commoditization of products is now kind of echoing throughout all retail. And I, I don't know if it's going to get better or worse, you know, with like the Amazons and all that. I don't know. Um, but there's, I hope it does. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it is something that is really, really, um, you know, it, it is, 
interesting to see how powerful some of these these firms can be when, in terms of you know moving that product. Yeah, I mean, and, I, don't uh, have, and, I don't have a huge problem with that. Like saying, okay, well, yeah. Walmart is going to buy the huge quantity, so they want the they want to have the lowest price, and maybe they help you get there. I don't know. I mean, they do probably do a lot of things that are not good for small businesses in order to make that happen. But I mean, the comp, the vendors are the other vendors in these places are just as culpable in this, you know, because they can, they have so much power. Like if you have a, we're in the T space. So if you're talking about a Lipton, which is owned by Unilever or Mm -hmm. some other huge tea company, they have a, a really huge amount of power in the category, inside the category. You know, they have so much ability to drive how the business goes, how the industry goes, that they set the standard, you know? And I mean, how can a company like us really compete with a company like Lipton? Well, the, the answer that we've always said is that we really don't try to compete yeah. with them, right? Like we're a premium product. Their product is like industrial shit. I mean, sorry it is. I mean, it's somebody that makes that tea that goes into a tea bag that you pay three or $4 for 50 of them at the grocery store. The people that make that, they don't have a good life. They live in horrible yeah. poverty. They don't make any money. They live maybe 50, 40, 50 years on average. And mm-hmm. um, we could never, well, number one, we would never do business that way, even if we could. Yeah. But the fact that we are in America using American labor that has to be paid at a living wage, or at least we, we're always going to do that. Yeah, We have a, a crop that's made here and it's not garbage that's like literally swept off the floor of some huge factory yeah you know we're obviously even if we we could never compete price-wise you know with a company that has those types of practices of course i'm not saying that lipton does not saying that i mean i may be implying it but i don't really know but i do know that lots of tea companies do you know they do have a product that is if, if consumers knew how it was made, they'd probably choose not to buy it for at any price. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree with that. And um, yeah, I mean, there's, that was kind of our, that I think to me, you know, kind of going back to the, the kind of mystique and driving force of, of this company, we looked at this and I, and I know we can even said this in a pitch at one point, but we had looked at this as like not an opportunity to create a business, an opportunity to create a whole industry. Right. And right. when, when in doing that, you have the opportunity to create the rules and create the parameters on which an industry will operate. So you, you know, like you, you can set it up to where, okay, you're not going to have, it's, it's going to be really hard to just, you know, it's going to be really hard to have people have bad living conditions or bad wages, or, you know, it's going to, you know, it's, it's not going to be able to hurt the environment because the way this industry is going to be set up, it wouldn't benefit any company to operate that way. And that was kind of, I think, a great thing for me was we have an opportunity to really kind of revolutionize. You know, if we, I mean, it's, it's obviously very pie in the sky. But we have an opportunity to re- revolutionize a lot of things if we do it correctly. And that's, to me, where the, um, to where the obligation comes in. You know, we, we just have a, really, we have a really good opportunity here to make things better for a lot of people and, and maybe created a whole new company, you know? Yeah, because I mean, we, we, there's so many things we can get into. We just talk about it forever and people are going to get bored and like change the channel. So we'll wrap it up here in a minute. But it goes into other stuff that we know a lot about and it's hard to encapsulate, you know, everything that our business cares about in a, in a shorthand way, you know, that listeners or people just checking out our website are going to be able to understand. Yeah. Um, but in Florida where we live, 
there's a huge citrus industry that's $8 billion a year, and it's being totally destroyed by, um, by a bacterial disease called HLB. And it's spread by a little bug that flies around, flits around, and feeds on the um, orange trees, and it spreads this disease. And there's no cure for it, and it kills the tree like 100% of the time. And 95% or so of Florida citrus crop is infected with this disease in some way or shape or form. So yeah. the idea is, okay, well, you know, we're not trying to replace citrus. I mean, that's, that's unreasonable. That's kind of unpractical. But we can at least give farmers an option of some other type of crop that is native, you know, that's resilient to pest predation. It's not going to freeze. Hurricanes aren't going to kill it. It's salt tolerant, drought tolerant. It's evolved here for millions of years, and it, it thrives in our uh, climate and in our growing conditions. Um, so that's the another part of the obligation, right? Is this idea is about way more than just Yopan Brothers tea. It's about changing the way we look at agriculture and changing the way yeah. we look at food. And it's kind of like everything old is new again. You know, we had all these millions of indigenous people that, you know, either were all exterminated or kicked out or in other ways horribly mistreated. And they knew all this stuff, you know, they knew how to survive off of the plants that grew around them. And we kind of just forgot, or we didn't care, or didn't know. And I think that now is a really good time for consumers and entrepreneurs and business in general and government and everybody to look back at the way things used to be yeah. and try and learn how to modernize that knowledge and, and, and make things better for people, right? Because we're growing things that are non-native monocultures and, um, you know, one yeah. thing happens and the whole, the whole bottom drops out of it. Um, yeah. so it's like a well, whole different way of looking at it really. Well, and the thing is too, you know, we, that was once again, you know, with the Opon, it's, this thing is built to grow here. And it's like, it has so many benefits, whether it's the antioxidants, whether it's the caffeine, whether it's, you know, it, it is built to grow here and it can grow really well here with such little impact. And that is such an incredible opportunity for me. It's like, we can grow something here that has universal appeal. I mean, think how much caffeine is consumed. I mean, people, I mean, let's be real about like coffee, right? People, most people don't consume coffee for the taste, right? They consume it for the buzz. And that's why they put tons of sugar and cream and all that in there. It's the caffeine. It's the secret sauce. And people, th this same plant has that same quote unquote secret sauce. And, and this has such a mass appeal and we can maybe revolutionize a lot of agriculture with such little impact and, and help at least help at least our environment here locally. I mean, obviously Yopon can't grow everywhere in the world, but it can grow in the Southeast. It can definitely grow in Florida as we found out. And, um, yeah, so to me, that is the that is the biggest opportunity, and that's why we hope people consume it because you, you know, when you every time this is very selfish, but every time you consume a cup of yopon, you are helping that mission move forward. You know, that, and this is not something that's going to happen overnight. You know, we're moving inch by inch, but we're doing every inch correctly, and that's something I'm really proud of for this company. Well, let's end it there because uh, yeah. we'll just keep we'll just keep on yammering. We will. Um, but <laughs> Hey, I mean, we've been through a lot and um, we're not going away anytime soon. I think that, you know, our company is headed in the right direction and you're a part of that. So thank you. And thank I you. also think that the, our industry is headed in the right direction. Um, you know, we've, yeah. we helped form the American Yopon Association. 
there's lots of other Yopan producers in that association and they're all yeah. great. They're all doing their own thing and yeah. helping move the industry forward in their own way. And uh, I think that's awesome. You know, we've got great yeah. consumer, great customers, uh, great, a great cohort of other makers and founders. And, yeah. um, and I think the business climate in America has got to change and it's going to be people like us and people like the other Yopan producers and people like Adina Grigory and you and all these yeah. other cool people we talked to who are going to change it. So, yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll keep working on it. All right, Kyle, thanks for calling in. All right. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks. Bye. All right. See you. I want to thank each of you for hanging around for another episode of Teacology. I'm Brian White, co-founder and CEO of Yopan Brothers American Tea Company, and we've been recording here in our factory in Edgewater, Florida. I want to thank my brother and co-founder, Kyle White, for joining us. At a later date, we're going to have another co-founder and our current um, chief technical officer, chief production officer, Mark Steele, uh, join us. And I want to talk to him, too, because he's got another very interesting perspective uh, about Yopan and how we got started and his background is really cool and I want to ask him about it so stick around for that we'll keep you posted our podcast is available on Spotify it's available on Google Podcasts Apple Podcasts Radio Public and Anchor FM and a lot of other places where podcasts are available if you'd like to learn more about Yopan Brothers please visit our website at yoponbrothers.com that's Y-A-U-P-O-N brothers.com. We're also on social media. You can check out our Instagram at T. You can find us on Facebook. And please check out our YouTube channel for a lot of really informative videos on how to make your own Yoponti at home. Thanks for listening to another episode. Once again, I'm Brian White. Have a great day.